Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey probably wants a big amount of money and he's a pain in the ass. Judd Zolgad. Is there nothing you can't make awkward, Judd? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd today, Matthew Collar, who uh, does great work on the Vikings for us at 1500ESPN.com, joins joins me tomorrow too. Dan Hayes of The Athletic Talking Twins at 1130. Courtney Cronin, at some point in the noon hour, she covers the Vikings for ESPN and uh, she will join us to talk about what Mike Zimmer has to say at his uh, opening press conference of training camp. I want to get to this with you, sir. And we, we discussed this off the air briefly yesterday. And I might be totally wrong here. So I'm going to I'm going to give you my thoughts on this, and then I want you to say, nah, nah, you're missing the boat here, or or say, yeah, you you might be right. But anyway, Kirk Cousins, three years, $84 million guaranteed as the Vikings, to their credit, attempt to address an issue. That, that they thought that they might have had covered with Teddy, but then he gets hurt. But the quarterback issue has been one that's been hanging over the head of this organization for a long time. Um, and I go back to when the Wild signed Parisi and Suter to those 13-year, $98 million contracts, the excitement in this town. And there have been very few times, but there have been times where signings were made here and there was excitement. Am I wrong in saying for the deal that Cousins got and what he potentially might mean to this franchise? I don't sense that. I don't sense the level of excitement that I would have expected. What I see is nationally on your NFL networks and when I do radio hits and things like that, everyone wants to ask me about the excitement around Cousins. And that's kind of where they usually start. Like, wow, I mean, that fan base must be so jacked up about Kirk Cousins signing there. And every time I'm kind of like, yeah, I I wonder if it's a little bit of nervousness from the fan base of the last couple of times they thought Super Bowl or bust, they were severely disappointed. I mean, after the Randy Moss season, after the 15-1 and the next year, it's is nowhere near as good. Randall Cunningham can't play anymore, and then you know doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then in 2010, same thing. It's well, you know, Favre can't really play as well anymore, and he gets hurt along the way. And there's pictures that get sent to a sideline reporter, and just uh, like all hell breaks loose in 2010. And that was when you went entered that season. You thought Super Bowl. So there's got to be that. There's also got to be the part that. Some people are excited, but also maybe loved Case Keenum or loved Teddy Bridgewater and don't see this as it being a massive upgrade. You didn't bring in Aaron Rodgers. You brought in a guy who does not have a winning record for his career. 
And even though you believe he can be better, I'm sure, because of the supporting cast and defense, I don't know that people have convinced themselves at this point that this guy is going to be this superstar MVP candidate answer to all of your problems. Maybe that's it. Maybe. It's just, I if this... If this works, it could it could stand to at least for a three year period solve a problem that has continued continued to be a major problem at the most important position in sports for this franchise, which is easily the most popular franchise in this town. I thought when he signed that, I thought in the months um, after he signed that that there would be a an excitement of the fan base saying, "You know what? Good for the Vikings. They didn't stand pat." They they liked Case, but they said you're not you're not necessarily the long term answer here. And they they went out and signed what we perceived to be the best free agent quarterback on the market. I just I am really surprised. And it's not that people don't like Cousins, and it's not that people don't like the Vikings. I don't sense that. I just the wait and see. The Vikings deserve that. Like they've taken us down this path before. So the wait and see attitude of much of the fan base I do get, but this is a position that is such an important position, and this is a position that, as I said, to the Vikings' credit, they aggressively pursued and addressed. I thought that would get them more excitement, and I haven't sensed that at all. I wonder if one of the reasons is because even your person who is buying a Kirk Cousins jersey or your person who really doesn't believe in Kirk Cousins that their opinions on him aren't that different. That your person who's buying his jersey is not going to argue that this is the guy who is just going to raise the level of play of everyone around him and he's just the best and that's it. And your guy who is really critical of him and doesn't believe in him probably has it for the same reasons that would make the other person nervous, the the, the major fan who's going to buy every quarterback's jersey. That, that those two opinions aren't that far apart. If you talk to someone who's really skeptical, it's like, well, you know, he didn't win that much in Washington and he's got some shortcomings. Or if you talk to someone who's a huge, just, I'm going to believe in everything, they would still be like, yeah, well, I know he's not Rodgers. And, and so, and that's where there just, there just isn't with Teddy Bridgewater yep. and Case Keenum. Yep. There were these hot debates that we could have all the time. Bridgewater's touchdown total versus what Zimmer thought. And about he was Bridgewater. a first round pick too, which, and he was car- a first round which carries pick. a special cachet. And also there was the idea that Bridgewater could take another step forward as a quarterback, that his arm was getting stronger. And we saw that in the 2016 preseason where he made some fantastic throws and it looked like man, he's developing even more. The Chargers game. And, and, and there was the Cincinnati one too, where yep. he had that one to Charles Johnson. Yep. So it's like, okay, so there's this, part of the fan base who loves Teddy more than anything in the entire world, and then there's the other one who's very skeptical, and those two would fight all the time. And with Case Keenum last year, we had this on every day that I would come in. I don't really believe in Keenum, the arm strength, the accuracy, what I see on tape. And then there was the people who just wanted to believe in him as a great story more than anything. Those conversations were really fun to have. With Cousins, I don't think there is one of those. I don't think that there's the great Cousins debate. I don't think it exists. Uh 651-646-8255, if you would like to chime in. So do you think that this this changes its tone or tenure uh, once the season begins? Because it would be very easy, to, depending on what happens, uh, certainly in the exhibition games, but more likely the first couple regular season games to make assessments there. 
Or do you think that this is more of a wait and see till you're eight games in? And unless things go just fantastic or drastically wrong, that we're left with this sort of, oh, okay, yeah, he's the new quarterback. I think that this fan base is ready and preparing themselves to go 0-2 to start the season and completely lose their minds. <laughs> Right. You think it's that bad? I think that they. I can they never get a been, read on them. I think that the Vikings fans are really excited about this season, but nervous would be the the thing that goes way ahead of excited. So, do you think? Do you think they're doing that because they don't necessarily trust Cousins, or do you think they're doing that because of what you said, which is the last few times that they had high expectations, they completely got let down. And it's not just the last couple times. I mean, it's also. No, 2016, they go in thinking this is a Super Bowl potential team and Bridgewater's knee blows up. And then all the offensive linemen get hurt after you start 5-0. and And then you go back through Vikings history, there are many times. I mean, how about 2003? You start out 6-0 in 2003 and you end up falling apart. I mean, there are all sorts of times that you can go back in Vikings history. If you've been watching this team for 20 or 30 years, you never go into a season thinking, oh, I'm really confident this will work out. True. And with going all in on Cousins, there's also that... But some looming, fans do. I, I can never get a read. Some. Yeah. Because the... I, I guess, in retrospect, I was a little bit surprised that the amount of Keenum supporters that popped up, popped up. Like, I was really... I thought I thought that he, he would have a somewhat vocal fan group, but we had times... Last year, where when we kept saying, let's slow down a little bit, this might not be a long-term solution, I felt like it had become, oh, no, you don't get, you know, Case Keenum's our guy. And it's like, all right, he's been a backup for a long time for a reason. It's not just a fluke. So I can never figure out exactly where this fan base is going with its allegiances and the players it likes, uh, because the Keenum thing did surprise me in that it became it became so, to me, large and vocal. Every time I would write about Keenum especially if I did a film piece that showed some good, some bad from Case Keenum, there would be a hundred comments on the article with, you hate Keenum, what's your problem, go back to Buffalo, all right. that stuff. Right. With Cousins, I've spent all offseason writing articles about him. I interviewed his quarterback coach, his quarterback guru that he used. Uh, I've written some pieces that have been somewhat critical of his skill set. It seems to be lukewarm. And everything has gotten the same sort of reaction of like, well, yeah, there are some shortcomings in the guy's game. And there have been very few times where someone emailed me or sent me a tweet or left a comment that was like, how dare you criticize Kirk Cousins? Because I think that they recognize the reality about who this quarterback is, that this is not someone you didn't land Brett Favre where the intrigue is. He was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, even if he had had some down time with the Jets and let us just be excited about this, I think it, it goes much more toward farther swinging toward nerves than it does because you could see, you know, there's a first number one defense stay first in the league for how long or, you know, I mean, this then you have this thing with Tony Sperano happen and that's really hard to get excited about camp after that. So I, I think they begin with not so much intrigue, but just afraid of all the different ways that this could potentially go. I'm going to run a dicey point past you when it comes to Kirk. Okay. And I think I think we both believe this to be true, and I don't know how much it affects the perception of him, but it's this. Teddy was lovable. He was a first-round pick. He, he was seemingly a great guy. 
He didn't embrace talking to the press, but publicly he came off great. He went to the kid's birthday party. Mm-hmm. He did every Zimmer talked about him like his son. Keenum was a great story and seemed very true to himself. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was, I would not call him polished. He was very, he seemed bright, but he was not a polished guy, but he fit in here perfectly. Cousins has the smile. Cousins has sort of the corporate, he's a corporate guy. You know, he gets up there, he's very polished. He answers questions, and and it's, not that he's not being truthful, but he definitely has the answers. Is Cousins, is it going to take him some time to fit in here because we we very much embrace you if we perceive you as one of us? Mm -hmm. And I don't know that Cousins is going to be seen that way, and I don't even think that's his fault. I just think he's a very different person and personality than Teddy and Case probably were. I do think that's true, that you felt like you knew Case Keenum and you knew Teddy Bridgewater, even though, like you said, Bridgewater wouldn't give these big, long quotes or anything. But they seem like they might stop by your house for dinner. Yeah, that's right. And the locker room entirely bought into those guys as leaders and as people, especially with Bridgewater, where from the first guy to the 53rd guy, they felt like they were close with Teddy Bridgewater. And there was a story... Not too long ago, I forget who had this, uh, might have been the Pioneer Press, that Kyle Sloter, third-string quarterback for the Vikings, is still texting back and forth with Teddy Bridgewater getting advice for how to approach training camp here. I mean, really? that's I didn't, exactly... Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to players on the record, off the record, yep. talked to former coaches of his, teammates of his. I mean, the thing with Teddy is it was real. It, it was 100% real who he was. And I, I don't know that you get that feeling necessarily from Cousins. Whether whether it is or not is hard to say, but just how he presents himself, right? it comes across very polished. Like He's a said. corporate quarterback. And, you know, I mean, even some of the social media stuff, you know, just, oh, look, I have an Astro van. It looks like it might be trying a little bit too hard. And I, I'm not saying that any of this really matters, but as far as how much he gets embraced, yep. The quarterbacks that he followed being different than him might have an impact as far as the fan base completely buying into him in in full. And the other thing is, too, that one was a young quarterback with lots of potential. Easy to love. The other is a journeyman who shows up and has a magical season. Easy to love. $84 million guy with nothing short of Super Bowl expectations is a lot different than young quarterback with ceiling and... You know, if you're a fan of this team, you look at Kirk Cousins, whether you like him or not, based on two words, Super Bowl. If you get there, you like him. If you don't, sorry, you're not going to feel that way about it. That's a tough lot in life. It is. Yeah, it is. I mean, $84 million, though, so I don't feel oh, bad, yeah, no, I don't feel I bad don't for either. him. But I think that is just the reality of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Is his, it will not be defined by whether he's fake or real. It will be defined by how many wins he ends up with, not... 4,000-yard seasons, 30 touchdowns. No one cares. He could throw eight touchdowns, but if they get to the Super Bowl, he's going to be a fan favorite. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. In the TCL Broadcast Studios today, Dan Hayes uh, talking twins from The Athletic right around the corner. Now, Dave, you uh, told me that um, on the ride yesterday with Patrick, Tom Kelly made his, I believe, bi-weekly appearance. He's on every other week. He and Jim Cott rotate, if I'm not mistaken. And there were some uh, 
stories told about Jack Morris, who is going to go into the Hall of Fame on Sunday. Yeah, it entertained me quite a bit, as TK always does, because he's phenomenal on with Patrick. But they eventually got to talking about Jack Morris, 91, you know, great year, obviously, uh, for the franchise. And the, the talk uh, started with, well... Yeah, what was that first conversation with Jack like? What uh, what was the initiation like? How was spring training? You know, what, what was it like when you guys first met? When you're on the same when you're on the same side of things, and TK jumped into a story about how he made Jack go on one of the longer bus trips. You know, he'd he'd make oh, the veterans yeah. do that once he in a while. Yes. Yeah, he did it. So he, he figured, it. well, you know, why why can't the other guys? And well. They've, See, I mean, they got a lot of time to kill on the bus. A lot of guys can uh, poke fun at each other, have a good time, and that's where this story starts from. But I remember the first day where he was getting ripped on pretty good, left and right, and and guys were really getting after him. <laughs> <laughs> he he come up and said he wanted to tell a story about pitching at uh, out in Provo there, where yeah, bring him here, college, yeah. And and uh, he told some story, that, and somebody said, I don't know who, um, said after he was done, I, well, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that place roared. I mean, it was, so he, he got a good initiation on that trip. And then there was one other nugget about, uh, you know, midway through the season, whatever it was, Jack had a terrible outing. Uh, gave up a big spot on the road, and, well, here's how it went in the dugout. He got lit up, I think, in Detroit. He didn't pitch good uh, one game. Mm-hmm. And he came in, I think they got a nine spot up there. <laughs> and for some reason, I left him out there, short in the bullpen or whatever it was. I left him out there, and he didn't want to come out. And, you know, and, he, and so he came in the dugout after the inning. He's walking in the dugout, and he said, boys, I've never lost with 10. <laughs> Put a 10 spot up. We're going to win this. <laughs> it was really funny. Oh, God, it was funny. That's pretty good. Uh, he was That's so pretty fun. good. I mean, those are good lines. So Jack could be funny during defeat. Which yes. I, which I wouldn't have picked up on from Jack. No, I mean that's what kind of what TK was saying, and now you see it certainly more. Now he's you know well past his playing days, and on the yeah. broadcast that he's certainly softened up. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the words from TK was you. Everyone saw the gruff exterior on the mound. You hear the stories from Game Seven World Series. You know this is my bleeping game. You're not taking me out. Which but, I'd still like to know exactly. I'd love to know that exact exact story. You'll you can't get it, but it's been told by different people. I would love to know in that dugout, like did TK just go, oh, okay, that's fine, or did he say, nah, you really should come out, or what? The the story that Stark told us about Smoltz is the best part of, of that entire thing, I think, which is that Smoltz was like, I can't do that. Like Smoltz was, I want to keep pitching. He just didn't have the cachet. He and Bobby was too Cox young was like, you're done. Bobby Cox said, sorry, youngster, we got to go to the bullpen. Yeah. So, but Jack was, uh, you know what though. In the press box, uh, when when he does pre and post for Fox Sports North, he he sits by near me a lot of times. Sometimes in your seat, and yes, well, and they and I and I sort over. of just move his stuff, but I don't say much about it because I'm I'm scared to. <laughs> um, but I will say this: for as gruff as he can, for as gruff as he comes off, he's a funny guy. Like he's got, he gets it. He gets it. And I I think sometimes I think when Bert goes to the old card of well, I used to pitch complete games. It's sort of a, a, a shtick from his day. It's sort of an act. Jack's really annoyed by it. 
Like, I don't think Jack, I don't think Jack is playing to the, I played in the eighties and things were different. I think he is basically saying, I did things this way and they should still be done, which I appreciate Jack for having the conviction to, it's not, it's not him trying to be old school. It's him actually being just stuck there where bird, I think bird's like, I, I play a role now. So you don't buy it from Bird? That's what you're saying? You don't? Yeah, no, I think it bothers him a little. I but I don't think he cares that much. Mm, I I I guess I kind of disagree. I think Bert's still 100 uh, percent in on it. Really? Yeah. I can't pick up on that from Bert. Bert got in the Hall of Fame, and I can't I can't decide what Bert cares about now. Like I listen to Smalley on these games, and every time he works a game, I learn like three things. That's because you're not a very good, you know, smart baseball guy. <laughs> and I listen to Morneau, and same thing. And even Jack, I'm like amused by. With Bert, I get the media guide, and I get these old-school statements, and I can never tell how serious he is. I watch the broadcast with Smalley on it and feel smarter when I'm done, and that's what should happen, I think, with any broadcaster. And you know, I guess, I mean, I, I'm very much with the Twins. It's on in the background while I'm watching football tape and preparing for training camp and writing and stuff, so I don't listen to every word that gets said through the whole time. But when Smalley's on there, I find myself watching really closely. And with Jack and Bert, I think a lot of it does become like, here's how it was when I pitched, which which is okay, but it's come a long way. And it doesn't a lot teach has, you, though. It, yeah, a lot has changed. So I think that there are probably some fans who loved those guys growing up and watched them and want to hear their stories. So that's I've just a good heard part them all by now. Right, if you but if you watch as much as you do, yeah, I watch too you much. Probably, right, so that's what I'm saying is that I pop in and out, and I don't know all these stories. So when I hear them, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's interesting from Jack or Bert. But with Smalley, it's every single time. So I, I kind of like him a little bit more. But I also haven't. I don't watch 162 games either of the Twins. So you know, it's it's kind of a nice mix. By the way, a rare thing. I come in praise of Dick Bramer last night. Please. Dick did a great job of asking Roy some questions. So instead of chiming in with what he did in Babe Ruth or something, which he's done, which he did to Jack, and I thought Jack was going to toss him from the broadcast booth, and I'm serious here. Roy brought up something, and Dick started to ask questions. It's all I want from my play-by-play guy. When Roy goes down a path, it drove me, it drove me to drink on Sunday. Not that it took a lot. It drove me to drink on Sunday. You mean drink more, yeah. To drink more when Jake Cave died for that ball, dove for that ball in Kansas City. And Roy's like, you, you got to be sure you can't die for it. And I so desperately wanted him, because I knew that, but he was then going to go into detail that I didn't know. And that's when Dick started to bring up, but if they hadn't blown the review in the third inning, they would have another appeal. And I'm like, well, okay, but we went through that. I was so frustrated on Sunday. And last night, I don't know if someone talked to Dick. I don't know if Dick just had an epiphany, but he started to ask Roy questions. Roy, you're the expert. Tell me more. That's very good. What didn't you know about a ball that gets by you as you dive and roll? I just want him to talk about the situation. I just want him to talk about the situation. Some people defended it, but anyway, my point is, Dick took a step last night in his in his veteran broadcast career, and I was very. That's very good to hear. Those line drives that are right at you, those are the hardest. I think well, see, that's once, what okay. That's what I wanted. Once we get that's you fine. out there to catch fly no, balls, no, I'm not doing. I'm Dave. not doing a line drive. You're do not, not doing it. Do not hit a line well, drive. That, well, if he no, I'll catch fly ball. If he accidentally hits a line drive right at you, then you'll find out that's the toughest one to catch. Mistakes happen. All right. Well, so speaking of gaining knowledge, we uh, talk twins with Dan Hayes next. Mackie and Judd, Matthew, and for Phil.
Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with a man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Dan Hayes joins us now. All right, sir. I've decided that I come in praise of this team once every five days. If Jose Barrios is pitching, I'm intrigued. The rest of the time, I'm annoyed, I'm angry, and I'm done. But when Barrios pitches, I'm intrigued, and I'm all in. How's that? Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. He's the the big ticket item this season. He's been great. And and give him that extra rest. I really liked that decision by them to wait the uh six full days um after the all star break. You know, he's a young guy and he's thrown a lot of innings and you know, he drew a lot of innings last year, but when you're young and building up, any extra time I you know, I watched how the White Sox match Chris uh sale yep. early on in his career. And if you can give your guy just a little breather you do it, and look at what happened last night. Ninety-five on that fastball, Ooh. often. The curveball you know, is unbelievable, Dan. I know exactly. Is so, he? Is he in your mind? Uh, where Where does he? If If we were to have a a scale, uh, and he was trending towards ace, how close is he to being what you would consider in baseball terms to be an ace pitcher, not just a top starter? Um, I'd go 70 percent, just because. We still see the two starts in a row where there's a hiccup, um, but then he has four great ones in a row, and and he looks and so maybe it's closer. Um, he's not far though. I mean, he's he's made so much progress this year, and last year he was great. He started off strong, and then he had that that second half where it was pretty mediocre. And I I think he's going to be in much better position this year. And you know, I think he finished with a 389 ERA last year. I, I just don't see that. Um, I mean, he's it's possible because guys get tired, but he uh, he is really really sharp. And um, as long as they manage him well, that's going to be the key. Um, but I, I think that they they know how they want to do that, and you'll see him get days here and there. And having Irvin back in there should help too. So, Dan, I put out a Twitter poll the other day to uh, take the temperature of the fan base on whether they think this year has been more or less a train wreck or if they still feel confident in the general direction and are just mildly annoyed that it hasn't worked out this year. And it was split pretty much down the middle between those two things. Uh, With guys like Gonsalves, potentially Gordon, and even going farther down uh, to some of the top prospects, it would seem to me that it's hard to make a case that the organization as a whole is a train wreck, and there might be quite a bit to look at as we go into the to the kind of the dog days here in the second half of the season. Absolutely. I mean, hey, let's let's not forget that um, you know they've gotten pretty much zero wins of production out of Buxton and, and Sano. Those are two guys. You know, even after they make some trades here coming up, um, there's still a lot to look at with this group. Because when those guys come back, you got to evaluate what they are going to do going forward. I mean, those are two centerpiece items that are coming back. But you know, as far as prospects developing, their their farm systems had a very nice season. Um, and and really, I think that you know the guys at AAA have done a good job. You know, Nick Gordon struggled since he's been at AAA a little bit, but um, but 
when you look at what their who their top guys really are, and I'm, and you know they started out low, like you've mentioned. Um, when when we're talking about who their their top prospects are going to be over this five year stretch, um, it's going to be it's going to be Kirilov is going to be one of them. It's going to obviously be Royce Lewis. He's been fantastic, and then Bruzdar Greaterall. And he's he's struggled a little bit since he's been at Fort Myers. But if you look at what he did at uh, Cedar Rapids, you know he throws a hundred. He's got good command with his secondary stuff already at age nineteen. Um, that's going to be their their stud that comes out of here. He's a big guy, you know. So you've got you've got a number one potential pitcher in him. You've got Royce Lewis who looks like a star and has performed like one, and you know has just. Played very well at Fort Myers after dominating at Cedar Rapids and, and obviously Kirloff. Um, Brent Rooker's got 19 home runs now. Uh, you know, and you look throughout, there's a lot of talent in that, that farm system. I mean, they added so many guys last year. So when you, when you look at the overall talent level of this organization, it, it's really high. It's been a disaster at the major league level because you had underperformance and injuries and, you know, you don't know what Buxton is right now. You, what's Miguel Snow going to be able to give you going forward? You need to know those things. And, and we get to look at that the last two months. Even, even if they make some trades, I still think this is a team that can finish around 500 just because they're still going to have enough sheer talent left to, to stick around. I mean, this isn't, if they make some trades, it's not like this is a team that you're, they're thinking, oh man, 19's out the window just because they made some moves because we're going to be seeing some of the guys who are, you know, Brian Dozier obviously it potentially has been a cornerstone, and, and Escobar's have been a big part for the last couple of years. But, you know, we're also talking about the Lance Lins and the Fernando Rodney's guys that were on one-year deals that would probably go somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, those things should be able, be able to be replaced going into next year. So that this team goes uh, nine and two at home before the break, and and huh. you know put up they put up on their internal board. You know it's not done yet, and then they come out of the break and they get swept by a Kansas City team that's absolutely atrocious. And now that they've gone to Toronto and won two consecutive, all of this uh, mashed together in a stew. What's your expectation for uh, who gets dealt before Tuesday? Oh, I, I mean, I think anybody that comes and gets asked about, um, you know, the name that that people are suggesting a little bit interesting as ryan presley um hmm. just you know i've seen that out there because he's got such a high strikeout rate which you know that he'd be a guy that got you something i you know a lot of the guys that they're talking about trading are rentals and and you're not gonna get a ton back for that um and and really the way to do that would be either to pair some players together and then hope to get a better prospect or to trade some of team control and gibson would be interesting i, I know we've talked about him on the, the show past but um, I think that starting pitcher would be harder for them to replace. So Presley's name's uh, been floated by some rumors. That would be interesting. I mean, I, I think they'd get paid a little bit there if they if they dealt him, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, I, I just think that they're open to whatever, whatever gets them better next year, whatever gets them better immediately, I think that they're open to. And, uh, you know, it should be creative the way they, they spend these last, couple days here before the deadline but i don't think that you know this whatever it is uh 16 game stretch with uh 11 wins changes them if they'd come out hot out of kansas city um maybe yeah but but you got that feeling on sunday that they were deflated and of course they bounce back with these two wins and do what they've done all year and screw with people's heads but i just don't think that it's you know 
I just don't think they're doing anything that anything different. It's up, down, up, down, up, down, and and uh, it, it's not you know they're stationary basically. What is the general thought around the team on Kyle Gibson and his improved season? Because I was toying around with fan graphs, and he is throwing harder, and he has changed the pitches that he's using from the past in terms of what percentages that he's using. But is it the same old Kyle Gibson who's having a blip where he's just better for a while, or is this a different pitcher who is now succeeding more under this regime? Well, I think that they really loved what he did toward the end of last season. I think his last starts, you look, he was he was pretty good the last 10 or so starts, and he's carried that confidence over. I, I think they think this is him going forward. Um, by adding the four-seam fastball in, and he's thrown it at the top of the zone, all of a sudden he can throw up, he can throw down, he can throw right and left. And, you know, when you have a guy that can split the four quadrants of the plate, um, you know, you go you go four-seam up and, and the curveball down, and you got the slider away and the, the two-seamer in, you, that's really hard for, for uh, the opposing team to, to really battle. I mean, he's got elite stuff. He has first-round stuff. He's always had first-round uh, stuff. It's been putting it all together, and I think that there's been a combo, and, and I believe that he has that confidence now. And, and he still slips from time to time. Um, he, he throws a lot of pitches, but... We've seen him go deep into games a lot more. You can see it that he he knows it and believes it, um, and that's a that's a really big development for him because when you have him behind Barrios, uh, obviously Barrios is the the big step forward for them to have an, an ace type pitcher. But Kyle Gibson would definitely be in their top three if they ever made the playoffs at this point. That's that's to that's how much of a step forward I think that they believe in him. Um, and you know when you can finally put that arsenal together it, it really has been impressive to see and again i mean to to totally get there he's got to eliminate some of the shorter starts but i don't think that uh you know you look at you look at kansas city the other day and he opened that half and the only thing that really got him i mean was the uh bloop shift double that was down the line yep. i mean that it, it, that was a killer that was totally deflating for that team and and it hurt him but that they really didn't get him very much in that, and I mean, it's, he's been like that all year. Dan, help help me out here. What the hell is wrong with Cleveland? I mean, they just made the Brad Hand trade, so they went and got a closer and got two guys for a bullpen that's been suspect. And I said, okay, that's going to create, that's going to end this, right? And I know Pittsburgh's <laughs> gone on this just ridiculous streak, and that's that's a whole a whole nother story that's intriguing, but. How can why can't Cleveland just say we're in this awful division and we're a pretty good team here? We're going to bury these teams. I've been I was expecting this to to start at least in in July at some point. I mean yeah. the Twins are what seven games back now. It's ridi- right. it's ridiculously close for the gap between the Cleveland Indians and the rest of this division to me. Uh, the even with the Twins having been swept in Kansas City, as of right now they're exactly the same amount they were. Uh, back at Cleveland, heading into uh, the opener here after yeah. after the Grand Slam walk off, yeah. and and yeah, I, I it's hard to pinpoint what's wrong. I mean, look, obviously Miller hasn't he's he's still hurt. He hasn't been out. Uh, Cody Allen has has really struggled this year. I mean, the, that's a team that should have lost that game in Texas there, and I Texas had the bases loaded in the uh, in the bottom of the tenth and no outs and didn't score, and then Cleveland won in the bottom of the or won in the the eleventh. But I mean. They, they've been, you know, a 500 club that's played a little bit better than that because they have really weak opponents in their own division. I, I'm 
honestly, I, I understand why um, the the Twins would stick with maybe just giving away one or two guys. Cleveland is vulnerable. They have been all year. But, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't think that that's going to change the Twins' plans. But they're really, they're right there. It's not hard. The Twins have beat them six of the times that they played. I think they met nine times. They're six and three. You can see the weaknesses there. The offense, for some reason, doesn't always click. And then when it does, it's it's sort of like the Twins where, you know, when when the offense does click, the pitching doesn't come through. And they come and, down next week. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Dan. Absolutely. All right, take care. Dan, right, Dan Hayes joins us uh, talking Twins every uh, Wednesday. Uh, Smalley will join us tomorrow. I believe he's coming home. I think he's going to work the last game this afternoon in Toronto, and then uh, Torrey Hunter and Bramer are going to work the series in Boston. Yeah, Cleveland drives me crazy. I can't figure it out. Do we have a compilation of you saying goodbye to guests? Or are you just like, all right, bye. See ya, bye. Well, that's how I say goodbye to people in ordinary life. You're not like, you don't have Minnesota goodbyes? No. You don't. That doesn't happen to you? Where you stand around and you think that you're going to go, but then you got one more thing to say and whatever. No, you're, not really. You're just a, all right, bye. See you later, bye. Hmm. I don't, I enjoy this job, but I mean, talking to people in my natural life, it's not a great enjoyment. <laughs> it's just, you know, so I, I don't, bye, see ya. I mean, Dan's probably, you know, young guy, 30 something. He's got things to do. I got things to do. So I just like, bye. But no, no, and the Minnesota thing drives me crazy. Is there some the walk back, the walk back talker drives me nuts. I can't stand the walk back. Hey, see you later. Hey, you know one more thing I was saying. No, you said bye. Yeah, and there there are some hosts who will be like, "Hey, okay, buddy, have a nice trip. With this, you know, to wherever. Or yeah, I guess you're over the border in Toronto. Yeah, okay, in jo- Toronto. yeah, that's so I, that's so formulaic radio crap, though, right? Are you, uh, what do they do in Toronto that's different? What's so Nothing. funny, Dave? Dave's laughing. I'm just right. considering maybe you should try it. Maybe it works. I don't think it gets you better ratings. How would you know? I don't think listeners, I don't think listeners are going to be, when I started this job, I tried that more, but I've just, I've lapsed back into just being Judd. People might like folksy. Folksy Judd. You could try it once in a I'm while. I'm on the wrong part of the dial for that then. I got to, <laughs> I got to move down the AM dial if, if I'm going to be folksy. Coming up next, Judd's house. You, you could, you, if Kyler's right, you could ask about life in Toronto. How are things north of the border? Oh, Have you checked how, out, uh, you know, Niagara you know Falls yet? The Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs fever is spreading well, all over Toronto, but rap- I know and that And the already. Raptors, they just got Kawhi. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. And they have that, like, uh, $3 coin or whatever. That's weird. Plus, see, the, see, right there, you went in a direction I, I would never go in. I mean, that's that, fine. There's that hot dog cart somewhere that Phil Kessel apparently went to every single day <laughs> that he was there with the Leafs. How does he look so fat for not being fat? <laughs> when I, I have seen pictures of him without a shirt on, he's not that fat. He's got the very round the fa- face. The, the, the face. Round and face. his sister does not have the round face at all. So I don't not. know. So mom or dad must have the big jowly face. <laughs> But if you look at Phil Kessel's face, I'm putting him at 230. <laughs> he does get the big jowls. All right. Um, Courtney Cronin at, at some point here from um, Egan, from noon. TCO. She at will be noon. on noon. All right. And she will update us on what Zim and Rick Spielman had to say at their uh, training camp opening press conferences. I want to run. I got a gripe. I got one big gripe here. Speaking of gripes. We'll get to that next. Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar in for Phil. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Again, this is where perception and facts are going to meet in the middle here. You're going to be perception. I'm going to be facts. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. You have hot sports takes, not afraid to share your opinions on the local squads. And do you want your own show right here on 1500 ESPN? If you answered yes, 
We've got the competition for you. 1500 ESPN's Sportscaster Idol. We are holding that competition to find our next host with the winner receiving their own show for a full year. Time is running out to enter. You have until this Sunday, July 29th to get it done. More details. 1500ESPN.com. All right. So yesterday, I'm walking the dog. And I got the little dog. You you guys, I think, both have the bigger dogs. And I'm walking the dog in the park. And I've complained about this before, and it's getting progressively worse. I get down to my park to walk the dog around the park. No big deal. There is a couple and or a guy and a gal who are friends. I don't know what their relationship is, and I simply don't care. But they both have big dogs, and they're both off their leash. That annoys me. Not great. Then I get, then I keep walking. So I get by these folks and their dog doesn't do, their dogs don't do much. So that's, that's okay. Annoying, but okay. And there's, um, there's a dad, baby in a stroller, another big dog off the leash. And I hung back long enough for dad to realize that I wasn't going to walk my small dog by his big dog unless he leashed the dog. So, so he had a leash. But honest to God, what's wrong with these people? Put the dog on the leash. This isn't hard. Yep. This this isn't hard, and you're supposed to do it. Listen, if your dog poops and you don't pick it up, I'm going to be like, all right, whatever. I, you're supposed to, but I don't care. But put your dog on the leash. If there's any chance that your dog could hurt someone else's dog or could get hurt itself because it's off the leash, yes. then you need it on the leash. And just, I would say, being around other dogs in general, like your dog around you might be like, oh, I'll do whatever you say, and I'm your best friend, and I'll stand right here next to you, but then might react differently to other dogs, especially if they see it as some sort of threat to you. And even with ours, we had her for a year and a half, never heard her bark a single time. The, the breed just doesn't bark much, greyhounds. Mm-hmm. And then one day we were at a dog park, a designated area to allow your dogs off the leash. You all agree to that. Which we've got two and people just ignore it See, and let their dog off the there's leash. There's a spot for that. So, you know, the dog's running around and playing and another dog kind of got in her grill and she barked like five times. Yeah. That was a reaction I never saw from her any other time except for when another dog was around. So unless you are in that designated area and you are sure that your dog is going to be okay in there with other dogs, put it on the leash 100% of the time. Dave, I'm... You know how I stand on this. No, I do. But I mean, this is. I've been in the middle of the dog fight and got stitches because of it. But why am I seeing more of this? I don't know. It drives me nuts, too. Whether it's around the name. It's not even if your dog's aggressive. I can go running with my dog and I'm out there to go for a run and some other dog runs into the street because he's off a leash or doesn't have a fence. And, you know, that might be a very friendly exchange. But then my dog is pulling me that way because there's another dog running at him. And I just want to run. And my dog's normally very well behaved. But if there's another dog running right at him, obviously he's going to stop and say, hey, hey, what's what's going on here? Yeah. I get annoyed not even when people just don't have the dog in the leash. I get annoyed when people are walking on the wrong side of the street. You know, if they're if I'm going one way walking on the left side as you should be, and they're coming because they're walking on the right side, and they uh, they're coming right at me, and it's like, okay, move over. You're supposed to be on that side. I don't want to cross my dog with your dog, and then have your dog barking and growling and pulling, you know, and and my dog saying, what what the heck, what's going on? Stella's so small that I I will always defer and move. I eventually do. I, I run into that, but if you got a big dog, I got a small dog. I'm moving. Like I, it that doesn't bug me. I just. It annoys me to no end. I don't have kids, okay? 
so our dog is our kid and it's so cute and but it's like some of these morons really believe like I've trained this this is my kid mm-hmm. and collar is a thousand percent right you don't know what they're gonna do no idea they can run into traffic they can attack a dog they they, they can get frightened like for you to be a big enough pompous ass to think that you've trained your dog to a point where it really is a person. Like it's going to react like a person. It's the one aspect of my life You're where I get very un-Minnesotan, where I chirp and I get mouthy and I tell people off. And it, I, I don't really feel bad about it at all. My wife has told me I need to stop doing that before well, I actually cause an incident with well, neighbors or whoever about? else. But she melted down. That's true. She did melt down and... Bleep and bleep somebody a few a couple months ago, but that was because she was with our child and our dog, and some other dog came barreling out of their house and barking and growling. I just I don't get it. No, it's it's completely unacceptable. It's but hey, but it's, their, you know, it's their pretty little snowflake dog, and they can do whatever they want. Yeah, until it runs the dog in the street, the until it runs in, in the street and gets hit by a car, and then guess who's who's upset? Aww. Mommy and daddy. Yeah, because your kid's dead. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> Put your dog on a damn leash. Cronin joins us next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.